Heritage Media. In researching myths about real estate agents, the internet gave me hundreds of pages about untrustworthy agents and lies they tell. But real estate agents are never given a platform to tell their story, their frustrations and triumphs, and what it's like to work in an industry where everyone is selling and buying the biggest investment of their lives and the emotions that go with it. Today I'm sitting down with Max Manning, an agent here at Wisebury, who's worked here for 12 years and been in the industry for 20. He's sold over 500 central Central Coast homes for thousands of people and it was kind of like chatting to a friend at a barbecue who worked in the industry and you could ask them anything you wanted and I hope you feel that way when you're listening to this podcast with Max. Here it is. Yo, yo. Hello. Yo. Only one of my things is working. Might have to twist the thing in the back. Your thing's not in popular. You've got to twist it on you can't just pop it in. <laughs> why Kieran gets paid the big bucks. That's exactly right. Is yeah. that better? Technical jargon, twist and pop <laughs> <laughs> Is that better? Is that working now? Uh, I don't know. Can you sing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little twinkle, Star? Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. How I wonder what you are. And Sorry, she- can you just try singing a Beyonce song? Gonna put a ring on it. <laughs> hey, Max. Thanks for coming in today. Thanks for having me. So I just want to start with some common things that agents say yep. and what agents really mean. Yep. Okay. Number one, we've got buyers on our books. Okay. So buyers on our books would, would mean that we've got a, a lot of people that we're dealing with on a regular basis. So we could have maybe 10 or 15 people particularly looking for a certain property and that's what that generally means. Okay. We've got buyers on our books, so database, you know, things like that. People we can call straight away to get through your home. Okay, and now is definitely the best time to sell. Yeah, so that, as far as, what do you mean, like? So, you know, when you, when people are talking and, they, and you'll hear an agent say, no, now is the best time to sell, Yeah, but it's always now. So if it was six months ago, it's today, it's three months from now, now is always the best time to sell. Yeah, so I suppose the, with that, they just want to get you on the market, regardless of if it's a good market or a bad market. You know, now's always the perfect time to sell, regardless of when it is. But what I can say is that 100% now, today, tomorrow, next it really week, is. It really is. <laughs> it's it's crazy at the moment. But I guess too, when people are selling, you can't predict circumstances change with people all the time, and it might not be the best time to sell in the market, but it has to be the best time for them because yeah. they have to sell. Yeah. Well, I mean. You, all the ducks need to be in a row, so to speak, for it to to happen. You know, you can't you, you can't have one foot out and expect that things are going to fall into place. I mean, circumstances need to be right. They need to have a plan B or a game plan of where they're going to go once they've sold. If they don't, it's going to make it very tricky to make the first part of it happen, mm. if that makes sense. So, yeah, it does. Yeah. And what about if my home's worth 600000 if you lower the price and advertise the price at a lower range, you're going to pull people in. Is is that true? It is because everyone's after a bargain. The issue that you've got is that people don't generally look at paying more than what's advertised, if that makes sense. So 
back in the day, they used to have a method that was called offers over or offers above, or they had, let's say, three ninety nine with a plus symbol after the after it. These sort of methods you can't use anymore. But the reason why you can't use them anymore is because very misleading to the buyer. But the buyer didn't pay any attention to the if it said offers over three ninety nine. They never paid any attention to the offers over part. They're just looking at the figure. So it was a lot harder to get someone to pay for more. If you if put yourself in a buyer's position, if you see something three ninety nine, are you going to pay four ten, four twenty, four thirty? No, probably not. So is it illegal to do that now? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And but there is a way that they get around it. Oh. So now you will see that some agents will say guide three ninety nine or price guide three ninety nine, and that's legal. That at the moment it is. Hopefully it's not going to be for very much longer, but that's how that that's that's pretty much the same way of saying offers over three ninety nine, mm. the same price guide three ninety nine. They're saying exactly the same thing. It is every single home is different, and sometimes you can't put a price on a house. It's what someone's willing to pay for it. Exactly, and I understand that. But in on the flip side, if I'm looking and I've genuinely got five hundred thousand dollars to spend, and I see a property that's advertised. Mm. With no price, it's really frustrating because I don't want to waste time looking at if it's going to be six hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah. So, you, and is that why there's usually a guide, say between four hundred and four sixty thousand? There's always a guide. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I've been doing this a long time, and I would a hundred if I was selling my mum's property, and I say this in appointments. You know, if I was selling my mum's property, I'd put a guide on it because a lot of people don't like the fact that property isn't advertised with a price whether it be new to market or um, just listed or preview or in some cases even auction because you're not giving anyone an idea of what they need to spend Mm. and their opinion of what the property is worth compared to what the owner's opinion of the property was worth could be hundreds of thousands of dollars out Mm. and that's where they get disgruntled because there's no there's no clear indication of where they need to be price-wise. Mm. Yeah. Particularly when there is a big jump of 60, 80, 100,000. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you're dealing with people selling their home and people wanting to buy. Who, Who is the agent working for? Well, see, I've got a little bit of a different view on this because most people will say, look, we work for the owner, which we do. I mean, we work for the owner. They pay the bills, so to speak. You know, they, they're employing us to do a job but if you don't have the buyer and you're not looking after the buyer at the same time you don't have the seller you're not looking after the seller's best interest either but the two have to be married up you can't have you just on 100% on side with the seller you've got to be on side with the buyer at the same time that's what makes the process a lot smoother and if you're not there can be issues. They, you know, people need to know that you're working for them, regardless of what side of the fence you're on. So you both, you got to look after everyone. You got to look after both. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And why do you think some agents can get a bad rap? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's an interesting question. Now, I think in this market that we're in at the moment, a lot of agents can get a bad rap because the buyers are very disgruntled, so they might have missed four or five different properties, you know, they're, they're, they're looking at stuff, they're going to open homes, they're, 
you know, they're doing what they think they need to do in order to get into something and they're just not having much luck. So whether it be the agent telling porky pies or the buyer not doing what they need to do in order to be successful, you know, whatever the case may be, the blame is always thrown to someone else. You know, it's never the individual's fault. So I think a lot of the time... Agents get a bad rap. They might not necessarily have been their fault. You know, we instruct a lot of people, this is how you have to do it. This is where you need to be price-wise. Um, there's three or four other people looking at the same property. You know, you need to put your best foot forward, otherwise you're going to miss out. You know, these are things that we're saying on a regular basis. And some people listen, some people don't. And when you go back and say, look, unfortunately it's sold... They'd usually say, well, we would have paid more for it, but I didn't get the opportunity. Well, you did. We asked you so many times, but you didn't want to... You didn't want to put it out there. You didn't want to put it out there, and, and that's okay. Like People are reserved in that respect. Like, Do you think it's good that buyers keep their cards close to their chest? Because you don't want to go up and say to the agent, hey, listen, I've got $600,000 to spend, but then, because if something's worth five ten, you don't want to, as a, as a person buying, you don't want to, you know... Over offer, so you you go. Oh, I've got four ninety. Do you wish buyers would be a little bit more honest with what they've got to spend? Hundred percent. It'd make life a lot easier for them. Put it that way. I think, and we always say, you know, if if you're going to miss the property for the sake of a, of a thousand dollars, that that's where we need you to be price wise. So you can't physically put anything else to. So if we come back to you and say, look, we need an extra five hundred bucks and an extra thousand bucks max. Look, I, I I can't do it. I can't afford it. We are at our absolute max. That's where they need to be in this market. Mm. 12 months ago, 18 months ago, two years ago, it was probably a different story. But right point. now? But right now it's just not the case. Yeah. And just on that, when someone – if I'm a, I'm a buyer and I come to you and I go, look, I really love this place in San Remo, this is the place I want, and you say, oh, look, we've actually had – you know, we've got another interested party – how do I know there's another interested party? How do I know you're just not talking me up and making me sweat, I guess? Yeah. And, and look, that's an interesting point as well because, I mean, you've you got to have a level of trust with the agent. You know, from a buyer's perspective, you need to start building relationships with the agent. You need to be talking to them on a regular basis and vice versa. The agent needs to be talking to the buyer on a regular basis because, I mean, we're a service industry where these are our clients, buyers, sellers, you know, things like that. So... Building a bit of a relationship up with your agent will ultimately a little bit more trust, I suppose. Um, some people have been caught out, you know, by saying that, that there's other interests when there's probably, there hasn't been. Um, but I can tell you right now, with our office, if we're saying that there's someone else interested, as sure as eggs, there's someone else interested. Well, you've got so many agents and everyone's working to sell a property. That's exactly right. And especially in this market at the moment, you, you, before the property even comes online, there's probably five or six inspections that have happened. There's probably offers that are already being generated. So, I mean, half the time when it hits realestate.com, domain or what have you, there's already solid interest there. And what about... Why won't you tell me the price that someone else has offered on the house that I'm looking at? Well, first and foremost, it's called disclosing the price. It's extremely unethical. There are other guys out there that do it, and I'll give you an example in a minute. But 
Um, it's something that we just won't do. You don't want to give an unfair advantage to either party. So hypothetically speaking, if you're looking to buy a property and we've got, you know, Mrs Smith that's looking to buy the same property and you've given me an offer of 400000 we don't then go to Mrs Smith and say, look, the first buyer's at 400000 you need to be at X amount of dollars and vice versa. That's given an unfair advantage to either party. I mean, that, how would you feel if you found out that, that that had happened, if your offer was disclosed to another party? You'd be ropeable, mm. furious, you know. That's a, and it goes back to why people are getting disgruntled because, you know, these are the sort of things that other agents are doing to try and win business, you know, sell properties, all that sort of stuff, but they're not doing the right thing by the owner or the buyer. Yeah, Okay. And I just want to jump back to the pricing for a minute. Why don't I go? I jump on realestate.com and I see <coughs> price, contact agent. And I, I don't have time to contact an agent. I just want to know the price. Yeah. Why do, why is contact agent there? Look, there, there could be a couple of different reasons. I think first and foremost, it could be something that is a little bit unique and the price might be beneficial to sort of take it away to see what the market is going to indicate. I don't generally believe in that method. I think if you can't price a property in our market, you know, there's, there's, you probably need to go back and look at some training or, you know, revisit your, your skill set because, I mean, this is the industry that we're in. You should be able to price property and all that sort of stuff. And going back to why buyers are disgruntled because you're not giving them an idea of where they need to be price-wise. You know, you could have people that... I, have, I had one in, in Charmhaven a little while ago. It was a, an old two-bedroom home. Really, 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 really run down. Um, we were getting... It was on between 390 and 420, and we were getting a lot of interest around the sort of 350, 360 mark because it was just... It was almost a knockdown. So we thought, well, look, we'll, took, we'll take the price away and just see what happens the level of interest that we got picked up but the the perceived value from the buyer went down so it, it went even further and less than 350 and 360 where people were talking 330 mm-hmm. you know 340 310 things like that but you know people have got an idea of what their budget is they'll still make the call but it could be a little bit out of reach as far as what they what they can afford to spend. The other thing is that the owner might be a little bit overzealous with their price and the agent might not believe in the price, so they take it away. I say, mm. oh, look, let's take it to market, see what the, see what the buyers are going to come back with as far as price is concerned. If I'm selling my home, I get three agents out to give me a market mm-hmm. appraisal and two come back and go, look, your home's worth six fifty. And then the third agent comes in and goes, it's, it's worth seven ninety. Yeah, I'm almost for sure going to go with the agent that says seven ninety because I think they believe in my property, and why wouldn't I want over an extra hundred hundred grand? Why is that dangerous? Well, it's called buying the listing, and that's this is probably one of the biggest things that I've found in in while I've been doing it that owners get wrong because they just see the dollar signs. The problem is, is that the agent then. They come in and say, oh, look, as you said, you've got two other people that have said 650. You've got another agent that says 790. 
So they obviously they're going to think, oh, we're going to get however much more than what these other guys are telling us. We're going with him. Then two weeks later, oh look, you know the, the agent comes back to the owner. Look, I'm, I'm really sorry. I was probably a little bit emotionally attached to the home, or a little bit overzealous when we listed it. Um, the market's probably not exactly where we thought it was. You know, we then need to scale it back as far as price is concerned to meet the market. You've got an incompetent agent that you're tied up with for four months. The first part of being on the market, that sort of, you know, two to four weeks, hypothetically speaking, is the most important time being on the market. You're a new market, a new property to the market, new buyers are inquiring. And if you've got someone there that isn't going to do the right thing by you, or they've started off on the wrong foot, it's very hard to bring that back. And they've lied to you straight off the bat. They knew what it was worth, but they were just trying to win the business by price. That's it's a recipe for disaster as far as I'm concerned. So you really are better off comparing, say, the bottom two and going with what you think of the bottom yep. two. Yeah, but you've got to look at the evidence as well. You know, a decent agent should be bringing out comparable sales and running through each property that he's talking about saying, hey, this one, one Smith Street sold for... 640, you know, two weeks ago. It's a 4 2 and 2. It's it's very similar to what you've got here. You know, 2 Jones Street sold for 660, and that's very similar to what you've got here. So the evidence is pointing towards, you know, hypothetically, let's say 650 is what the other two guys have said. If there's nothing on that list to say you're at 790, 800, you know, that that's the evidence that you've got to look at. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. And I want to talk about commission. Yep. Is there wriggle, wiggle womb, wriggle, wiggle room? Wiggle yeah. I have to say that slowly. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tongue twister. Yep. Is there wriggle room on commission? Generally, first. Let's talk about generally. Generally, I mean, that, that, that's probably, you know, it, it's, dates back to when Moses walked the earth. You know, everyone thinks that, there's wiggle room and commission and all that sort of stuff, and it depends on where you are. New South Wales, there's generally wiggle room, depending on who you speak to. Different states and territories have different ways of doing things. So I think Queensland, the commission rate is is like a fixed rate with everyone. That you don't differ too much between it. So, but I, you know, don't quote me on that. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but that's just what I've heard. Um, I heard a saying yesterday, it was uh, cheap isn't good and good isn't cheap. And that's probably the biggest thing with commission. I think you can't have a good agent and get a good result with a cheap agent. It just does not work. So I don't want to talk about Sydney and I don't want to talk about Newcastle. I really want to keep it specific to the Central Coast. Yep. What do, if you will look at all the agencies from Terrigal to, you know, let's just say Caves Beach. Yep. What, what is the, where does, what's the lowest point of commission and what's probably the highest point of commission that we're talking about here, do you think, within our area? Um, what's an average? We should talk about an average, I guess. Well, an average should be anywhere between, say, two and a half and three and a half mm-hmm. on, on average. You know, you, d- you do have some people that will charge less, they'll charge more, you know, depending on the client, depending on how they feel they can e- extract a little bit more out of the client, I suppose, mm-hmm. which isn't really fair. I think sometimes 
regardless of if it's a two hundred thousand dollar home or if it's a million dollar home, there should be no difference in what you charge and the service that you give them. You know, it could be a relocatable home, it could be a block of land, you know, it could be a multi million dollar waterfront. You treat every client exactly the same way. So there's no difference in what you do here and what you do there. You're still giving the same skill set, still negotiating the same way. Um, so realistically, there shouldn't be any differ in what you charge them. So I also want to, while we're on commission, this is a pretty big myth I think you want to debunk. Yep. Um, so if I sell my home for six fifty. Yep. And I pay you a 3% commission. Do you personally walk away with $19,500? <laughs> um, absolutely not. Um, you know, that, that's, it is one thing that you hear time and time again. But people don't understand what, what happens internally, you know, as far as what, where the commission goes and how it's split between salespeople and, you know, there's different ways of being paid commission and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Because I think you, uh, my house settles, you get paid 19 and a half grand and you go and buy yourself a new watch. Yeah. No. That, that okay. does not happen. <laughs> no. you so, got to, you got to, you got to, you got to do a lot to earn a lot. So just, you know, without going into obviously too much detail, but just yeah. break it down a little bit where some of that 19 and a half thousand dollars would go in this case. Okay. So like any, any sales job regardless of what it is you could be selling tiles you could be selling cars selling real estate you you've got kpis and you've got targets and things like that that you have to meet so that's what i said before you've got to do a lot to earn a lot so you meet your kpi or, or you meet your target and then there's a certain percentage that you get up and above that so ultimately it goes to the office first you know and you've got to make target and without going too far into it it gets a bit complicated but um there's split between the lister and and it goes back to office as well Mm. you know some offices only sell their own listings so as far let's say you've got joe blogs real estate and they've got two salespeople, and those salespeople only sell each their own listings so they would then get a hundred percent of the commission not in their pocket but revenue into the office and then it's split however the office says, we'll take X amount of dollars, here's your target, and whatever happens after that. And then you get paid up and above a certain percentage. So, no. So, because there are a, a couple of different ways you can sell a property. You could list this property in one Smith Street, and then you can sell that same property in one. Yeah. But other times, someone else has listed it, particularly with Wisebury, we have such a great network and a, and a a big group of agents, but someone else could list it, someone else could sell it, someone yep. else could bring the business in, other people show it. So it, it sort of gets watered down, I guess, to the point where it gets to you. So you aren't walking around with $19,000 watches. No. Okay. No, absolutely not. It'd be nice. <laughs> it would be nice. But no, that's probably one of the biggest things, that, as I said before, that I hear a lot. You know, people think that we get the whole... The whole the kit whole and caboodle. kit and caboodle. But no... Okay. Um, I also want to talk about the confusion with the 2.5% deposit and what that means. So I've paid a 2.5%. A point, point two. See, this is why it gets confusing. (laughs) A 0.25% deposit. Yep. Can you clear up what that actually does and what it means? Yeah. So if people aren't doing this every single day of the week, you know, so they might hear that 
this is how you do it from, you know, mum and dad or Uncle Roger or whoever the case may be. You know, this is how you do it. This is how you buy real estate. You know, I've sold 50 homes and, uh, you know, this I know how it works and this is how you do it. So the way that it works in New South Wales or the way that we do it, because, you know, South Coast does it differently, out West does it differently, but how we do it here is that you've got a point to... Once you the buyer's found the property, we've negotiated the deal... They then come into the office or, you know, you can do it electronically. They'll do a, a, a 0.25% deposit. The owner will sign a contract. The buyer will sign a contract. Once we've got those things in place, so the, 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 the 0.25 has to be in our trust account and we've got signed contracts by all parties, we can then date the contracts. And it's only at that time that it locks it in. So some people think that if they transfer the 0.25 or they pay the 0.25 but they haven't signed contracts yet, that that is ultimately going to hold the property and that unfortunately that's not the case so yeah so to break down the steps i like this place i've put in my 0.25 percent deposit there might be a five or a ten day cooling off yep i get my building and pest done but i still haven't signed an actual contract yet it's not off the market then is it no no so so that you know legally we we have an obligation to the owner to continue to show it. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing contractually um, locking in either either party. So, so legally, it's still on the market. So if I put in my, you know, 0.25%, which is sometimes around the, say, $1,500, $1,700 mark yep. on a Thursday, but I notice it's still an open home or it's still showing on the Saturday, should I be worried? Yes, to a certain degree. I mean, it depends on the level of interest and all that sort of stuff at the time, but... Um, the agent should be running through the steps with you while they're negotiating and you're doing the deal and telling you how it's going to work. Mm-hmm. If the buyer's refusing to sign contracts... It's not sold. It's not sold, and that's on that falls on them. So mm-hmm. if it turns around and, and you give them a call on Sunday because someone went through the open on Saturday and they've submitted a higher offer and the owner wants to run in their direction, well, then... You know, I, unfortunately, I, there's not much we can do about it. But I would I in that particular case, would I get my deposit back? Y- if yeah. you haven't signed contracts, if nothing's locked in, then yes, that deposit okay. then goes back to you as the purchaser. Okay. Yeah. And I just want to talk about the family input. You mentioned that a, a minute ago, but how much influence does it do parents, neighbours, friends have on an actual buyer when they're trying to buy a lot? <laughs> they can have heaps. You know, I've had it where, you know, mum and dad, like the, it could be the son or daughter and their partner, they come through the property and they fall in love with it, they absolutely love it, they bring mum and dad back during the week for a look, hey mum and dad, look at the house we bought, you know, all that sort of stuff. Dad comes through and he starts knocking on walls and kicking tiles and turning taps on and, nah, this, this, yeah, no, you got, you got, this plumbing issues. plumbing issues and you've got <laughs> that going on and, yeah, look, the roof's about to cave in and, oh, I wouldn't be buying it, you know, and they've they've put the kibosh on, on the property. The agent knows or should know that it's not, <laughs> that that's not going to happen, the tiles are okay and the taps are fine and the roof's not going to cave in because this sort of stuff would need to be disclosed anyway. Um, but they always seem to know or think that they've got an idea on what's going on and what they should be doing. They're protecting 
kids, of, of course. You yeah. know, from it's a big decision of buying a home, so I can understand it from a certain degree that, that there's a protection level there, but at the same time sometimes they can be a little bit overprotective mm. and give them the wrong advice. And people miss out on a, yeah, a home like, they love. That's all right. Like yeah. I've had young couples that have tried to buy three or four different homes and mum and dad <laughs> have put the kibosh on every single one of them. And it gets to the point where you're like, look, I, I, you need to do this for yourself. Like you can't say don't listen to mum and dad because who are they going to listen to, mum and dad or the real estate agent? That's, yeah. It's, it's no just, contest. It's no contest, exactly right. But you, you need to at some point say, look, you really need to think about this for yourself. Get your pest and building reports done. Get the professionals in to have a look over the home. They'll tell you what's wrong with it. Mm. You know, I've had It's the best said, $500 people will ever spend. Yeah, 100%. You know, I've, I've joked with some clients and said, oh, I didn't know your dad was a was a building inspector or I didn't know he was a builder or something. Like that. Oh, no, he's not. He uh, works in IT. Oh, okay, so in, you know what I mean. So you're sort of planning yeah. that that little bit that, and then when it comes down to it, you can say, "Look, you need to be doing this for yourself. Get the professionals in, and then yep. they'll be able to run through it with a fine tooth comb." Yeah. And just tell me, what is the one thing you wish every buyer knew? Just one thing when they're embarking on this process. I think we saw, we touched on it a little earlier before, but I think the one thing that buyers should know especially in this market that doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon is that you need to put your best foot forward i know it might sound a bit cliche and you know we do say that on a regular basis but i i can't i can't say enough that that that's what they need to be doing so if they've got if they like something and there's an extra Ten thousand that they're not putting towards it, but that could be the difference of them getting into something or not getting into something that they really need to be putting that forward at the moment. No time for games. In no this time market. for games. You can't afford to be waiting or, or holding back or anything like that. If you like it, you need to be putting your best foot forward to get into it. And what about sellers? One thing you wish sellers knew. Well, apart from that, we don't get the whole nineteen and a half thousand dollars commission <laughs> in our back pocket. Um, when you pull up in your Maserati. When you pull up, yeah, exactly right. I've got your Maserati and I've got <laughs> my big gold medallions on and everything. Um, probably that as far as you – know, you can't, I can't speak for everyone else as far as, you know, other offices and all that sort of stuff, but I've worked in other offices and I, and I say this to people on a regular basis when I'm out there, you know, I've worked in other offices over my career. I've been here for 12 years now, 12, just a little bit over 12 years and – I've seen how other offices operate and the, and how the salespeople, you know, interact with, with their clients. And then you come here and you see how the salespeople interact with their clients and it's chalk and cheese. It's day and night. You know, we've got such a high level of, of um, customer care and, you know, all that sort of stuff. It's just it's next level. So they need to know that they're in good hands with, with us and with what we do. Um and it's a little bit disheartening when you see them go in a different direction because you know that that they're going to have issues mm. with certain people and how they conduct their business. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And lastly, you're a local lad. Where is your favourite place to visit, go, eat, relax on the coast? Oh, um, that's interesting. Um, 
you had one day to show some visitors around, where would you take them? What would you do? Um, probably the beach. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of... It's kind of silly that I say that because we live 10 minutes away from it and I'm hardly there. Like I used to be when I was a kid and bodyboarding, I'd be out there every day, all day. But growing... As getting older, you know, I don't get out there too much, but when we get out there, it's a, it really is it's the most beautiful place on earth, Norahead, and we've got some of the most uncrowded beaches across the New South Wales coast. In the world. Yeah, mm. in the world. So there's always you always find a spot that you can just hang with the family and all that sort of stuff, but th- that would probably be my pick. Nice. Yeah. Thanks, Max. No worries. Lovely chatting. Thanks for having me. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast with Max Manning. If you're interested in finding a little bit more about Max, check out the links below. All his information will be there. Today's podcast was produced by Kieran Christie, hosted by me, Carly Eldridge, and brought to you by Heritage Media. Don't forget, you can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Drops every Wednesday. And if you love us, leave a five-star review. Bye for now. Heritage Media.